exciting. Well, if you've been with us, if you've been with us over the past couple weeks, you know that uh, the nation of Israel is in a dark place. This is our third message from 1 Samuel and, and this series that we're in. And, and we've learned that a lot of time when we find ourselves in a dark place, similar to like Israel uh, here, and, and we find ourselves maybe in a dark place spiritually, often it's because we are looking to maybe the wrong things uh, to find our identity in, or we're looking to the wrong things to find our security, or, or we're looking to the wrong things to try to find happiness in our lives. And we're going to see this trend continue uh, this morning here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 8. And I appreciate so much Hannah Odom uh, reading our scripture for us during worship today. Uh, she did an awesome job with those hard names, and I appreciate her. I'm going to actually skip over those hard names this morning and pick it up at, at verse 4. So uh, join me there. 1 Samuel chapter 8, beginning at verse 4. It says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together, and they came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. And I want you uh, to notice that last phrase there is very important in what we're going to be talking about today. So remember that, such as all the other nations have. Verse 6, but when they said that, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him, Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. So here's the deal. The problem with this wasn't that they wanted a king, okay? Because if you know the history of this, you would know that God had actually promised them a king back in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, easy for you to say. The book of Deuteronomy chapter 17. Uh, not only had God promised them a king, but he had also there in Deuteronomy, he had laid out the traits that they should look for in a king when they received a king. See, the problem wasn't that they were desiring the king. The problem was the motivation behind why they wanted a king. You see, they wanted a king for, for two reasons. Verse 5 tells us so that they could be like all the other nations, so that they could be like everyone else, right? And the second reason is down in verse 20 where it says they want a king to lead them and fight their battles. Okay, and so they wanted a king because here's the deal. They were looking around at everybody else to see what everybody else had. And so they, when they looked around at everybody else, all the other nations, well, all the other nations had this great king, uh, you know, that seemed to give them this, this sense of, uh, of pride in their nation and pride in who uh, they were. And, and a king gave those other nations an identity. A king in those other nations gave them security, and Israel didn't have that. All that Israel had were some promises from an invisible God. And so God considers what their desire is here. He considers that a rejection of himself. Uh, they weren't supposed to be like everybody else. They were the children of God. They were the people of God. They were set apart and they were supposed to be different 
than everybody else, not like everybody else. Their identity and security should not have been in the size of their army and, and how well they could fight and how well they could battle. Their security should not be in leadership that they had to be their source of their identity and, and their security. Now look at verse 8. God continues. He says this, As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me, and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. He's talking to Samuel here. From the very beginning, God is saying here, I've never been enough for them. I, I can never do enough for them. I can never please them. I can never make them happy. And here's the deal. God had proven himself to them over and over and over again. He had done some very powerful things for them, some amazing things for them. He continually provided for them and kept them safe. Uh, he, he, he sent them manna from heaven. He met every need. He gave them water that came from a rock, right? He, he defeated their enemy in the Red Sea. They had been there. They had seen this. They had witnessed this. But now what are they doing? Well, they're looking around at everybody else, and they've decided that God isn't enough. God isn't enough. Don't miss this. It wasn't that they didn't want God. It wasn't that they had completely rejected God. It was that they needed something else besides God in order to feel safe, in order to feel significant. And therefore, in reality, what they really are doing is, yes, they are rejecting God. This is so important for us to learn. It's an important lesson for you and I as well. Usually, we replace God not by walking away from Him, but by adding to Him. Uh, so this morning, can I just ask you, where in your life might you have done this? Where might you have done this? Where have you said, God is not enough? He, he's not enough. God is great. And I believe in God, but I need something else to give me an identity, something else to, to make me feel secure, something else that will make me happy. Maybe uh, it, it's a job that you think you absolutely have to have or a job that you pursue with everything within you and you make sacrifices to have that job or to keep that job so that why? So that you can have an identity or so that you can have security financially or so that you can live the good life and, and be happy. And, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with having a good job, Lynette. <coughs> there's nothing wrong. I'm sorry. I'm just a little worried. She said, I'm quitting my job. And I'm like, well, who's going to pay for all those Amazon packages that keep showing up? But there's nothing wrong. I, she knows. I totally am supportive of her quitting her job. She'd be the greatest. Mimi, is that what we're going with? Mimi or Grammy? You're going to have to decide. Huh? Whatever it wants to call you. Then it'll call you Bank. Uh -huh. 
There's nothing wrong with having a good job or pursuing a better job unless, unless you're wanting that job for the wrong reasons. So that you will have an identity or security and happiness. Because what we've been learning the last few weeks is God must be our source for our identity and our security and our happiness. Maybe it's the way you look and you think that you have to look a certain way in order to have an identity or security or happiness. And, and don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with wanting to look better. Brother Sanders said, used to say, even an old barn needs a new coat of paint every once in a while. There's nothing wrong with wanting to look better unless those reasons are that you can never feel good about yourself unless you look a certain way like all the other beautiful people. Listen, whatever, whatever that thing is that you demand or pursue in addition to God is your king. Like we see in our scriptures this morning, God's people are supposed to be different. God's people are supposed to be set apart. And again, don't get me wrong this morning, God is a good God who loves to pour out His blessings on His children. Scripture is absolutely clear about that. But when you depend on those blessings in order to feel significant or in order to feel secure, then you've become like the Israelites in this passage of Scripture that we're looking at today. Demanding a king so they can feel safe and secure like all the other nations, like everybody else. We, we ought to be like David. When he said, the Lord is my shepherd. The, the Lord is my shepherd. And, and because the Lord is my shepherd, I don't have any needs because the shepherd has promised that he will meet my every need. The Lord is my shepherd and I don't have any needs. And as long as he's close by, as long as he's my shepherd, I'm not going to have to worry. I, I'm not going to have to be anxious because he knows what I need and I know that he will take care of me. My shepherd is enough. And here's the deal. Re rejection of God is not necessarily walking away from God. Sometimes it's demanding or pursuing something in addition to God. So now let's move on and look at what God says is going to happen when you want to get another king besides him. He, he gives them a warning through Samuel. And I just want to read through that real quickly again this morning. We've already heard it. But as I read through this, I want you to listen closely or, or pay attention closely and see if you see any uh, reoccurring thought or theme or word in this passage of Scripture, in this warning. Now listen to them. He's talking to Samuel. He said, now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons, 
and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain. And of your vintage, and give it to his officials and attendants, your male and female servants, and the best of your cattle and donkeys, he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks, and you yourselves will become his slaves. Did you notice a reoccurring theme in that passage or word? Take, right? Take, take, take. I think in verse 11, he starts out by saying he will take your sons. Verse 13, he will take your daughters. Verse 14, he will take the best of your fields. Verse 15, he will take a tenth of your grain. Verse 17, he will take your flocks. And don't miss this in verse 17. And you will become his Slaves. A king is going to promise you a lot. A king is going to promise you so much. He's going to promise you that you will have an identity. He's going to promise you security. He's going to promise you that he's going to do everything he can to bring happiness to your life and to your family. But he's going to take, take, take from you. A king will promise so much. He will promise so much, but he will deliver so little. You see, that's what happens with any king that you give your heart to instead of God. Friends, every king but God will enslave you. Whatever king you give your life to, whatever king you give your heart to, is going to take and take and take from you. All earthly kings are that way. They promise you identity, security, happiness, but they take and take and take, and eventually you become their slave. All earthly kings that we want, whether literally or ones like success or money or romance, are not only going to let us down, like we talked about last week, but they're going to enslave us as well. Verse 18 and 19 and verse 22, Samuel says, When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from this king that you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. And the Lord answered, listen to them and give them a king. Sometimes the only way that God can get through to you and break you of your desire to have kings in your life 
is to let you have what you want. This morning after the first service, I was talking to Kevin McNabb. He always gives me a, a recap of the message and thoughts that he has during it, and it's always so good. But he said, you know, we talk about God answering our prayers. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says wait. But I think that we see here that sometimes his answer is, okay, I'll give you what you want, and let's see what happens. Sometimes the only way that God can get through to us and break us out of our desire to have kings in our life is to let us have what we want. That's what's taking place here. In the next chapter, you'll read that God gives Israel the king that they want. It's King Saul, and he was impressive. He was an impressive man. They, they, they knew that him representing them was going to give them this great identity. He was a great warrior, and so they knew that he would build great armies and they would be secure. He, he was very wise and intelligent, and they knew that he would make decisions. And he would do things that would bring happiness to them as a nation. Saul was impressive. He was good-looking. He was a great warrior. He was tall. Scripture says that he, was, he stood head and shoulders above everybody else. Literally, he did. One of the saddest statements, I believe, in the Bible, especially in, in this book of 1 Samuel, says this. All of Israel's hearts went toward Saul. All of Israel's hearts went toward a king. The king that they wanted so badly, we're going to learn in the days ahead that he's going to disappoint them terribly. And he's going to take and take and take from them, just like Samuel promised. He's going to lie to them. He's going to betray them. He's going to extort the people for his own benefit. He's going to put his personal interest over the interest of the people that he was appointed to serve. And instead, he's going to make them his servants. Like all worldly kings, he's going to take and take and take, and he leaves them broken. The most amazing line in this story, I believe, is verse 18. It says, when that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king that you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. Isn't that a scary thought? Israel had to learn some very hard lessons through this king that they thought they wanted named Saul. He left them broken. He left them defeated. He left them disappointed. But here's what's amazing about this. Because of who God is and because of what God does out of his great mercy, he eventually pulled back from this warning that he has given them here. You see, through, through all of this, God would create in them, listen, this desire for a better king. Through all this disappointment, through the defeat, through the discouragement, he would create in them this desire for a better king, his king. 
Scripture says a king after his own heart. The first symbol of that king we're going to see is going to be David. But he's not the ultimate fulfillment. See, the ultimate fulfillment of this king that you and I long for, you and I have a desire naturally in our hearts for a king. But this king that will ultimately fulfill this role is King Jesus. He's the king that God wanted to give us all along. Our king is described like this. We, saw, uh, we heard the description of the king Saul. Listen to the description of our king today. We find it in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10 and verse 45. For even the Son of Man, our king, King Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Friends, that's our king. He came to serve, not to be served, and to give his life as a ransom for every single one of us. And what happened? They rejected King Jesus. They rejected Jesus as their king, and Jesus took that rejection upon himself. He took that rejection upon his shoulders. We sang about it earlier. And he willingly went to the cross, bearing their rejection, bearing their shame, bearing their suffering. No other king has done that. No other king would do that. He took my sin and my sorrow, and he made them his very own. He bore my burden to Calvary, and he suffered, and he died alone. We rejected him. We wounded him. We killed him. But through his wounds and through his death, he gave you life. Through his wounds and through his death, he gave me life. He offers us today an identity. He offers us today security. He offers us today happiness that no other king of this world can give you. Every other king says, obey me and I'll make you happy. King money says, get more of me and I'll make you happy. So does success. So does fame. And sometimes even so can family. The same king says this, if you disappoint me, I'm going to make you miserable. King money says, fail me and you'll never live the good life. You'll never be happy. Friends, Jesus is the only king who, if you embrace him, will satisfy you. He's the only king. Think about this, friends. If you fail him, if you fail King Jesus, his goal is not to make you miserable. If you fail King Jesus, he will forgive you. He will forgive you. He's the only one. The only king who will do that for you. He is the only one that you are truly 
safe with. Friends, I'm here this morning to beg you, trust in Him. Trust Him. Trust this King. Trust the King of Kings. This morning, I want to ask you this question. Be honest with yourself today. Are you sure that Jesus is your king? Have you said, you know what, God is great and God is good and all that? I believe in God. He's my God. But unless I have that money, unless I have that success, unless I have that good health, I can't be happy. What other king have you given your heart to today? Because that king is going to come in, take over, and you're going to end up broken. This morning I've been tasked with an assignment to ask you this question. Are you sure that Jesus is your king? The answer to that question is on you. Are you sure today that Jesus is your king? This morning we're going to close with a time of prayer. Maybe you feel like you need to come today. I I invite you to come right now. Go ahead and step out right now if you feel like you need to come pray. God spoke to your heart about something. And you feel like you need to take a step toward Him. I encourage you to come. Maybe this morning you would just like to come and pray. Maybe as a family. Maybe over a situation or a decision or something that's going on. that You you just need to give it to God this morning. And this altar is the place for that. I invite you to come right now. Step out and come. Maybe you would like to come this morning and pray for someone else. We have many in our church, many that we're closely associated with that are facing battles right now. They're trusting the king. And maybe you would like to come on their behalf this morning and join them at the throne of the healer. Join them at the throne of the comforter this morning and lift prayers for that need. I invite you this morning to come as we close together in prayer. Would you come? Dear Lord, this morning as we uh, close our time of worship here today and our time of quieting our hearts before you and hearing your word. I want to thank you for what your Holy Spirit is doing in this place because I know your spirit is here. I know that you're real. I know that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And today you're asking, asking us to allow you to sit on your rightful throne in our hearts. We all have a throne room within us. 
And God, today we've been challenged. We've been asked. We've been questioned about what it is that we've allowed to sit on that throne in order to give us happiness or security or an identity. And so today we have to ask ourselves a hard question as the Spirit convicts and leads in this place. And Who sits on the throne of my heart? Because if it's not you, it's going to take and take and take until it takes over and leaves us broken. And God, I just pray today that if there would be anybody in this place that's never accepted you and surrendered their life to you, anybody here today that has any doubt that they're a child of the King, that that today would be the day that they would come to you and make that decision and ask you to forgive them of their sins and ask you to take your rightful place on the throne of their heart. And God, that you would give them a boldness in leaving this place and publicly declaring that they're now living as a child of the King. Different. Set apart. And then that they will take the next step that we're asked to take as we accept you and experience the salvation And that's to be baptized, to make that profession of faith public. So I thank you for what you're doing today, God, in the hearts of those that haven't accepted you, but they're going to today. God, I thank you for this reminder for those of us that are the children of God, that are doing our best. And when we failed you, you've forgiven us. And we know what it means to walk in that grace each and every day. But God, today we've been reminded that this world is going to throw a lot of things at us, offer us a lot of things to add to you, which we realize now is absolutely ridiculous. There's nothing that can take your place. There's nothing that can give us the happiness and joy that you can bring us. There's nothing that we can be more secure in other than our relationship with you. And there's no identity that's more important than being called a son or a daughter of the king. God, I pray for those that are going through very difficult times right now. This afternoon will be a visitation of two precious little girls that lost their life tragically and a mom and dad that are completely and utterly broken. I pray that you'll be with my brother Ron, his family, and his staff as they stand before probably thousands of people tomorrow at the funeral and share the goodness of God, even though they're broken as well. Ron's going to stand before a multitude of people and he's going to represent you as your child. God, give him strength, give him courage, give him wisdom. And I pray that your spirit would move in that place and comfort those 
who are hurt so deeply. Bring healing and hope to their lives and to their church and to their friends. God, we pray for Silas today and his mom, Christy. One of our kids here for many, many years. Life and family and You have taken them to another place to serve, a great church there in Conway. God, I pray that you would be with them today. And They're exhausted. They're in a state of shock. Minister to them like only you can. They're in 4D at Arkansas Children's Hospital. I pray that your presence would be thick. Pray that you would bring healing to Silas. That you would relieve his pain. God, we praise you that the tumor removal and everything involved has seemed to go perfect. And we know that you're answering prayer. But they still have a ways to go. So sustain them like only you can. God, I also... Pray for Lisa Simmons this morning, the loss of her mom. Just a few months ago, the loss of her dad. Draw her close, God. Hold her tight. Be with her through these hard days in the valley. And I pray that she would be reminded in this moment she does not walk it alone. She has friends that are walking with her. But most importantly, the king walks with her. Because she is your daughter. I continue to pray for Randy and others in our church that are battling health issues, undergoing treatments. God, we pray for healing. We pray for restoration. But most of all, God, we pray that you would be seen, you would be known, and you would be glorified. So go with us now as we leave this place. We're not leaving the church. We're going to be the church. With your help of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing here today and what you're going to do in the days ahead. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning as we're dismissed with our benediction? And would you join me this morning as we read together? Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good, supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. And may the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. God bless you all. I love you.